Well, here we are saying goodbye to 2019 and about to step into 2020. You know, we were talking just a couple months back and we we're saying, you know what? And next week we're going to we're going to do this. We we're talking about, okay, stepping into 2020, how can you not do something to start the new year off on 2020 vision? I mean, I just, I just don't know how you cannot do that, right? So we're going to be doing that. We're going to get into it. How many know that, that God, if, you know, so many times what do we see? We see people that they, they, they want God to give them some clarification. They, they want him to give them some vision. But the truth is God is not trying to hide what he desires for us from us. The truth is many times we don't put forth the effort to truly give him the opportunity to speak into our lives and show us what he wants and so we certainly want to do that but today as we get ready to step into this I want to do one thing before we get into the word this morning a lot of you know that uh, this week Betty Salter had uh, a um, it was going to be a quadruple bypass but they got in and one artery wasn't quite as bad as they thought so they did a triple bypass which is still bad enough and um, while the surgery went well I think she's just she's had a little bit of struggle. She's had times that her heart is still not acting quite right and had a couple of spells that the doctor's a little worried about. They're not really sure what the cause is. And so I wanted us, before we do anything else this morning, let's stop and lift Betty up in prayer. Can we do that together as a corporate body? Father, we do lift Betty up before you. Lord, you, you see this lady. Lord, you know this precious lady. She loves so many people. She cares for so many people. Lord, she's there so many times when this person needs that thing or the other thing. Well, there's, she's, she's an individual, Lord, that again and again and again, Lord, reaches out in a selfless manner. So, Lord, we ask you today as a congregation, we lift her up before you. We ask you to touch her. We ask you to minister to her. We ask you to give her strength. We ask you, to, Lord, to reach in and to cause this heart to come into alignment. Lord, blood flow is not the issue now, Lord. So, Lord, there is something else going on. And so, we ask you to just touch and heal that. There'll be no other surgeries, no other procedures needed, but, Lord, that you'd reach in right now, that you would lay your hands, Lord, those nail-pierced hands upon her heart right now, and that you would touch her and restore her and give her strength. And from this moment on, that she'll be on the speedy road to recovery, Lord, that soon she'll be home with her family and get back to the life and the things, Lord, that, that she so desires to be a part of. And Lord, we ask you for that, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One other thing real quick. If you get a chance, give Luke an extra tight hug today. Little birdie tells me that today is his birthday, so happy birthday, Luke. So. All right, so welcome. Welcome to the last Sunday of 2019. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to, to even think about the idea that this year is almost gone. You know, we'll be, we'll be trying to write, and probably for the next little bit, you'll probably do like I do. You'll be writing something out, and, and you, you, you'll know in your head that it's 2020, but you just automatically will write 2019. You've got to scratch it out and, and do that. And then, and then, you know, a few months in, we kind of finally get in that mode of doing that and then next thing you know we'll be stepping into the next year but 2019 for some of you you may be saying boy this is a great year others of you may be saying well maybe not so much i was thinking about that and and, and this isn't what my message is about but you know to me it just kind of fit you know, a lot of you know that, that to me, when they talk about the most wonderful time of the year yes christmas is but next to that in my mind is football season 
You know, that is the one time of year that I, that I get focused on sports more than any other time of year. Those, I kind of glance at it, but I really don't care. But I was thinking about the fact that, you know, 2019 started. My favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, had this, this, this everything looked promising. Everything looked great for 2019. Everybody, people were talking Super Bowl. They got off to a 3-0 and start, and it kind of derailed from there. And here we are, yeah, I'll always be a fan, but here we are, I was thinking we have today, if they win, they got to win today to just be mediocre. (laughs) And so it's clear there needs to be some philosophical changes, there's some stuff that's got to shift. And I was thinking about that in context of the end of the year, stepping in the new year, how did your year start Maybe you're here today in, in 2019 started and you had all these promises and all these dreams you look for. I've been, this is going to get accomplished in 2019. That's going to happen in 20, 2019 is going to be my year. And here we are about to say goodbye. And for some of you, it probably wasn't everything you dreamed and hoped it would be. So now here we are. Maybe even 2020 to you felt like it was a year where you suffered one attack after another. I mean, you ever had a year like that where it just seems like the, the enemy's coming at you from every side and just stuff just happens and, you're, and you, you still trust him, but you're just like, Lord, where are you? But as I was thinking about the thing, are you poised for 2020? Because it's here. What resolutions are you planning? Is there even a resolution in your heart that says, the one thing I want to accomplish is I want to be closer to Christ than ever before? Otherwise, how would this year be any different than the years in the past? What if I said, and I was really thinking about this and praying about this, what if I said, that we could collectively have an incredible 2020, that we could collectively move forward, that we could see great things happen, and I could literally lay out a guarantee for you. Would that be worth wrapping your heart around? Because we need, if we're going to move forward, there needs, sometimes, there needs, sometimes we have to look at our service and say, you know what, there needs to be a philosophical change. Then my mind went to Ecclesiastes 4.12, and it says this. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. There is something about when we stand together in unity. I know that you can take a thread and you can just snap it. There's something about when that thread is woven together. There's something about when that thread becomes a cord or that thread becomes a, a rope that, is, that isn't so quickly broken. It isn't so easily defeated. You know, how many of you have made those resolutions in the past? Man, this is the year. I'm going to do it. And you go along, you say, man, here we go. And, and it starts, and then the first real challenge comes along. The first time that brownie cross, crosses in front of you, that resolution's out the window. We see those things. 
But what would happen? What would happen if we became resolute together? which is the title of my message together today. What if we became resolute? Resolute means strong, that you're, that you're holding on to it, that you're determined. What if we didn't just say that about individual goals, but what if we said that about a collective goal, that we were going to move forward together, that we were going to take and we were going to intertwine and interlace our dreams and our visions and our hopes and our desires to the point that it becomes one unified vision, one unified resolution, and that we're spurring one another on we're encouraging one another we're praying for one another and we can begin to move forward after all are we all supposed to be headed in the same direction you know it takes time and effort to weave our individual things together but i'm telling you so much worth it and as i begin to think about that i really there's there's some results I think that we can grab hold of. There's some things I think we can do. And, and so my mind shifted from, from Ecclesiastes there to 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. So talk about being resolute together. Paul is writing in a letter to the church at Corinth, and he says this. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body, and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. See, the truth is every single one of us are competing right now. You may not think of it that way, but we are. From the moment you were born, from the moment you drew your first breath, you started on the course of this thing that we call life. You're competing for your place in this world, but you're also competing, competing for your spiritual standing. And those things don't happen by themselves. And not only are you competing, but you're standing on the shoulders of generation after generation that has come before you. You're standing on the shoulders of those perhaps in your family tree. You're standing on the shoulders of those that in, in, in our Christian walk that have come before us. How many know that you have your, your biological family, but you also have your, your spiritual lineage? I gave my life to Christ for real under a pastor by the name of William Sipes. He was the one that took me under his wing. He was the one that I went to later on down the line and says, what does it mean? How do you know when you're called? He was the one that helped point me in the right direction. And you know what? I have, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but it is so neat to look back and know that I have that spiritual heritage. Some of you may be born into a family or a circumstance. Your family tree may not have that great of a spiritual heritage. Maybe you do. Praise God if you do. But if you don't, you could be the one that changes that. You're going to be the one that can set the standard for the generations that follow. 
But regardless, if you're a believer, you have a spiritual heritage. There are those that have come before you. You, have give, you gave your life to Christ because somebody was faithful. You gave your life to Christ because somebody was there at the right time and helped point you in the right direction. And you embrace that and you move forward. And we're standing on the shoulders of all of that history. And now we're the ones that are running our leg. We're the ones that are carrying the baton. And it's up to us to get this thing done. And so, but how much better if we do it together? How much better if we're cheering one another on? I was telling people after, after last Sunday, it was so cool because being Christmas Sunday, man, if you, you got to see the pictures. This place is packed. It was exciting. Everybody wants service. I'm telling you, it's easier to preach when the place is packed. It's easier to preach when people are cheering you on. So let along how you can walk this thing out if you have people that are encouraging you. So the only question that remains is how will you run in 2020? Will you, will you, will you advance the kingdom or will you fall behind? So I was beginning to think about that. You know, the nice thing is we were giving a training manual. Now I know that for most guys like me, the instruction book is what you read when you can't figure it out. Right? Have you ever put something together and there's pieces left over, and then you go back and look in the instruction manual and realize you've got to undo like six steps before to get the part where it's supposed to go? Right? But yet we do that with our lives, and God gave us a complete instruction manual. Yes, it's one, but yet, but yet it's one of the most ignored things that we have. And but let's look at what Paul said. I thought about that whole passage of scripture, and I thought, well, you know what? Let's break it down. Let's look at the idea of doing our being resolute together. And, and what did he say that we needed to do? Well, first of all, he said that we have to go into strict training. And there's two things we don't like about that. Strict and training. <laughs> Most every one of us have dreams about a great 2020. Probably many of us is like, you know what, this is the year I'm going to lose weight. This is the year I'm going to have a better body. Right? Did you know that's usually the number one resolution of all time every year? And a lot of us have the same one at the top of the list every year. Maybe it's financial goals. Maybe it's better health. But where does the spiritual goals make the list? Is it even in your top ten? If somebody were to walk up to you and say, what's your resolution, what's your goal for 2020? How far down the list would they have to go before a spiritual goal would appear? kind of sobering if you think about it, isn't it? You see, the truth is, spiritual growth and advancement doesn't just happen. Too many don't even think of the idea of being resolute about what it takes to advance spiritually. And, but we know to advance, to do something, it does take strict training. It does take being resolute. It does... Take saying, you know what, I am determined to get this done. You know, 
Many times we're looking for working on other things. That means we have to learn to live on things we don't like. Food-wise, right? When I get to heaven, one of the questions I want to ask, why is the stuff that's good for me doesn't taste good and the stuff that's bad for me tastes good? If you had flipped that, we'd all be healthy, right? You know, there's, it takes a commitment to exercise. And you have to be, if you're going to do it, it'd have to be consistent. You have to do it when it's cold. You have to do it when it's hot. You have to do it when you're tired and you don't feel like it. You have to risk being bruised and, 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 and things at times. You have to risk a little pain. Sometimes maybe you even have to swallow a little dirt. But if you want the long-term dream to come true, it takes a little drive. And for those that de- desire real advance, there are no guarantees. Except, I'm going to give you a guarantee today. I started off saying, you know what? What if we became, what if I said there was a way we could all advance together? And here it is. Here's the guarantee. Believe it or not, it's in Scripture. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Isn't it sad that when we talk about our resolutions, that we have all these lists of other things that we put before we finally get to our spiritual goals for many of us? And yet scripture tells us the guarantee that we see is if you'll reprioritize that, if you'll put your spiritual goal first, I'll make sure all the other things get added to you as well. But yet we overlook that. Too many times the things that Jesus said is first is what we put later on down on our list. And if we're going to train, shouldn't we start with the spiritual Isn't training always better with others if we do it together? The most successful diets and exercise programs I've ever been on that works for me is when Kim and I decide we're doing the same thing together and we hold each other accountable. Because there are days that... that and we got to get back to it. Yes, it's part of our deal, okay? I fell off the bandwagon during the Christmas season, okay? But it's so much easier when you say, no, we got to get back in the gym. we gotta, we got to get our exercise level up. And it's so much easier because when you have somebody else that's committed on the days you don't feel like they're like, no, no, you got to go with me. And it holds, but can you imagine though if we take that and apply it to the spiritual side and we multiply it across this congregation of people and we spur one another up, we let our, our, our visions come together and, our, and become resolute together and we intertwine things and we hold each other accountable, we cheer each other on. How much better is it going to be when one of us faces that time like, oh man, I just, I just don't feel like it today. And all of a sudden you're getting that text, hey, I studied this this morning. I read this this morning. What did you read? See what I'm saying? See, spiritual training isn't any different. You have to put yourself in position. It takes daily spiritual exercise. You may have to give up some things that you like. But once you step out 
and you get involved. But all of a sudden, we can advance and we can move forward and we can accomplish so much more together. So how do we submit to this training? How do we bring new life into our leg of the race? First of all, reevaluate where you're at spiritually. You see, church is important. I know that may be a shock to some of you, but church is important. And and so many times we 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 <laughs> I'm gonna step on a soapbox here. We we walk through and we think, you know, once or twice a month is enough. But scripture says, matter of fact, I'm gonna read it to you. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to spur up one another to love and to good works and not neglecting to meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Years ago, I read a, I, I preached the message that I actually gave it the title, Some Assembly Required. Because, you know, how can we spur one another on if, we, if we're never together? How can we spur one another on if we're not there? If we truly believe that God speaks, if we truly believe that God's presence is there when two or three gather in his name, why would we neglect that? But it does, but we can't just survive on that. How many know that you have to feed yourself a little bit? I know that you, if you're going to get anywhere, you know, exercising once a week doesn't work, it, work out. Matter of fact, really, if we're going to get somewhere spiritually, you can't just come in and sit down and receive that way and go on. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say things, well, I'm just not getting fed. You know what I want to say? All right. Look at it this way. If you decide you want to get your body in shape, if you sit down once a week and you watch a workout video, is that going to get you in shape? Somewhere along the line, there has to be a little bit of effort on your part. Right? This should be be the pep rally. This should be the time we come together and we spur one another on and we get excited about the things of God and we pray and we change the atmosphere and we we lift each other up and and we check on how somebody else is doing. And when you get a chance, maybe you reach out to them during the week and if you haven't seen them in a couple weeks, send them a little message. Say, hey, I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. Everything okay? What can I pray with you about? You know, if we get in this together, we can see so much more happen. Because let's remember what we're competing for. Paul nailed it. He said the crown of glory. What did he say? He said they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last. He's saying that, you know, the interesting thing is when he wrote this just outside the city of where of Corinth where he was writing this letter to them was, was the plains of Ishmael which was every two years they would have an Olympic-style games. And so where he was writing, that was a part of that culture. People knew that every couple of years, people would come together, they would compete, they would train and, and prepare themselves, and, and they would work hard with the goal of being the best at whatever category it was. And he says, and they're doing it for a crown that will not last. We're doing it for one that will last. 
know what's funny? I did a little bit of research. There's kind of a little bit of humor in this. It's just the way my mind works. These games were just were dedicated to the Greek god Poseidon. And the victor's prize was literally a biodegradable crown. It was originally to the Greeks when they would do these games, it was laurel leaves. Later on, I read it actually became wild celery. I can just picture people walking around with celery on their head. I mean, that's just... The Romans used wild olive branch. And the crowns, just think of the crowns of victory for the games were, these, they were fragile and they were literally biodegradable. I guess the environmentalists would have been excited about those crowns. I don't know. But if you think about it, here they are. They're competing. They're training. They're working to be the best. They're putting all this effort. They're spending a big part of their lives getting ready to compete for something. And when it's all said and done, they're going to get this crown put on their heads. And they're going to get the applause of those around them. And they're going to be excited about it. And they're going to stand there, I'm the greatest. But I can just see them going back home, all excited, all the applause, all the pats on the back, and sitting that crown down. And from that moment on, it's downhill. Have you ever left celery in the refrigerator too long? It becomes this rubbery. It's not crisp. It's not, it just it gets pretty gross pretty quick. And so I can just picture somebody, I don't know why I'm stuck on celery, but I can just picture somebody taking off this celery crown and sitting it down in a prominent place in their house, and they're all excited about it. And here in a matter of of days, especially weeks, it's, it's just this piece of garbage that needs to be thrown away. And the glory of what they had accomplished fades. And next year, maybe they're good enough to win another one. But maybe somebody... Younger, more hungry, that work harder wins the next one. And when it's all said and done, they got a great story to tell. They got a great memory, but what have they really accomplished? How much in life do we chase after things that when we get it, we, I mean, we think we're, we're all sold out for it. Man, I'm going to get this. I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to do this, this great earthly deed. And when it's all done, people clap for you a little bit. And you're given a little bit of something. And all of a sudden, it just deteriorates before your eyes. The next thing you know, you realize it wasn't as great as I thought it was. Yeah, we, we spend so much of our lives chasing after all these things. And Jesus said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given as well. How much more rewarding if we were to set our sights and our goals on the things that truly matter. I mean, what if we looked at these earthly things as a celery crown and put them in their place see too many people in this life are running the race of life for that kind of crown they're chasing after the crown of success they're chasing after the crown of more knowledge they're chasing after the crown of beauty they're chasing after the crown of power but all those things are crowns that will decompose Nothing more than wilting crowns that are quickly forgotten by everyone. 
here's what I want you to remember today. What I want you to carry with you. What type of crown does your life say you are competing for? If you were to boil it down to a crown, would it be a crown that lasts? Or be a crown that will perish? Because the truth is, we've all heard the statement, you can't take it with you. And I understand the sentiment, but the truth is you can. If you're going after the right crown, you get to carry that with you. Not the bag of wilted celery, but the crown that will last. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15 says this. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. See, the truth is, when it's all said and done, our efforts, our works, the dreams, the things we've invested our lives in, it's all going to be judged. It's all going to be put through the, the test of fire. And if it was done with the right heart, if it was done with the right motives, if it, was, if it was done with eternity in mind, that's the thing that's going to last. The rest of it will be burned up and be nothing. Now, I'm not saying you don't work to feed your family. I'm not saying you don't do some things, but we need to keep the first thing the first thing. But I love this line. I, I'm a very visual person in my mind. But I love this line where it says, there's one escaping through the flames. In other words, if, if all this stuff, maybe, maybe you've chased after so many other things and you are saved, but this visual picture of, of, of making it as one escaping through the flames, I just can't help but picture mine. Somebody barely squeaking into heaven. They step in. Woo, I made it. And the edges of their clothes is still singed and smoke coming up. I don't know about you, but that's not the way I want to make it into heaven. I want to make it in. I want to step in, and I want to be welcomed, and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But we chase after so many things that don't matter. And just like you, I get caught up. And so sometimes I can let my mind wander on certain things, get caught up in things like, why isn't this coming together? Why isn't that coming together? And sometimes I have to back up and I have to get onto myself and I say, you know what? I got to get back into my prayer closet. I got to get back into putting the first things first. Because when I do, he promised he's going to take care of the rest of it. At the end of our efforts, we judge where they are. Our real motivation, will it be lasting or will it be temporary? Because the lasting is the part you can take with you when you go. I want that lasting crown. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, and I not only want to hear that, it's like, you know, I've got something for you here. Let me, you know, here's your crown. Now, I don't know how long we'll get to wear it. I know at some point we're going to say, Lord, here as we toss it at his feet.
Can you imagine making it? And I don't know what it's going to look like because I only have my human perspective. But can you imagine making it, hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, standing before him in the King of kings and the Lord of lords presenting you with your reward? That's going to be such a humbling moment. It's going to be such an incredible moment. When he says, you know what? You did this, this, and this for the right reasons. It stood the test of fire. It lasted. There are people that are here in eternity because you walked this earth. There are things that you accomplished. And it may not be ever spreading the gospel, but it could, but it's even down to, I believe, being that right example in your home to your kids, your grandkids, to those around you, to people that you work with, being that example, because we're going to get, you know what? If wouldn't the greatest testimony be if all those that follow you and your family, even if you know my dad never preached a message but he lived it out before me. And because of that, I'm serving God. My brother's serving God. His kids are serving God. My kids are serving God. My daughter-in-laws are serving God. If it stops there, that's a win. Because it's the things that are most important. Paul put it this way in a letter to Second Timothy said this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I think the key here is all that have longed for his appearing. Are you living your life like you're longing for him to return? Or you rather put it off because your attention's elsewhere? Because there is a huge difference between a lasting crown and one that'll wilt. I know I'm stuck on the celery thing, but can you imagine... So I'll say, now what did you accomplish in life? I won all these, and it's just a plastic trash bag full of wilted celery. <laughs> I told you I'm a visual person. <laughs> It'll fade. But then Paul goes on to say this. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. There are those that are running aimlessly that they're not really competing for either crown. Their life has no direction. They just react to everything around them. They just go through life. And when I thought of this, I pictured a, 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 a pinball machine. And a little steel ball that everything it bumps into sends it in another direction. It's going around aimlessly. It's not really accomplishing anything. And so many people live their lives that way. They're living for the moment. There's no plan for the future. Life is about their 
comfort and their pleasure in the moment. And, and when it's all said and done, they get to the end, they find out that they literally accomplished nothing. If we let ourselves, we all tend to be that way a little bit. How many of you want to be comfortable? How many of you want to avoid pain at all costs? We do, right? But some things are worth the pain. Some things are worth setting a goal, a direction, and, and pressing through. And Paul uses a ten-letter word that many of us treat like a four-letter word. Discipline. We don't like that word. In fact, some are probably more comfortable with the four-letter word than the ten-letter word. I know I'm meddling here, but it's true. We're in the midst of a battle, and this battle is bigger. And it's a part of the battle that, that it's literally our flesh versus our spirit. And our flesh is really good at letting us know what it wants. I want food. I'm lusting. I'm greedy. It's so easy for us. The flesh lets us know what it wants. And the Spirit's there. We feel it. But it's a little different. You know how the Spirit overpowers the flesh? You feed it more. You feed it more. If you struggle in an area of the flesh, focus on the spirit and quit feeding the flesh. If there's images on your computer that consumes you, it's better not to even have one. Chase after the things that are going to push you in the right direction. Feed that spirit. Let that spirit become strong. And all of a sudden, you'll find that you'll be desiring the things of the spirit. Because I'm telling you, just a few minutes in the presence of God overpowers everything. Now, I'm not going to say that every time you, you decide, to, if, if you're disciplined about your devotion in life, I'm not going to say that every single morning when I sit down with my cup of coffee and the Bible, and I spend, I'm not going to say that every single time I do that, that I hear the angels sing. Sometimes it's discipline. But there are those moments I do meet with God. There are those moments that he is so real and so rich and so there in that moment that it gives me that encouragement that when you walk in and the things you're facing in life, there are times that the weights that you carry to him, he meets you in that moment and the circumstance may not change. Your checkbook may still look the same as it looked before you met with him, but all of a sudden you know and you have this peace and he says, I got it. And you can walk out and say, he's got it. He's got it. And you can say that across everything. There's something about when we feed our spirit that it overshadows the flesh. Jesus said this, Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then in John 6, 63, he put it this way. He said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. 
The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So lastly this morning, we need to be resolute together. Because how many know that we all have those good weeks, those good months? And then we all have stuff that comes along and distracts us and derails us. I love how Paul finishes our text this morning. He says, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. That's my life resolution right there. I will not be disqualified for the prize. There ought to be a little bit of determination in us to say, you know what? Pursuing that is the most important thing. And if we come in line together and we pursue that together and we love one another together, we encourage one another together, that we hold each other accountable together, You know, how many know there's something about having that relationship with somebody that is close enough that they have the right to ask you the hard questions? They have the right to, to point some things out. And you know that it's done in love because they have a track record of being there and they love you and they support you and you know that. It doesn't have to be an in-your-face kind of thing. There could be somebody that can come up and puts their arm around and say, how are you doing in this area? I know that this has been a struggle in their past. I just want to know, are you doing Okay. Isn't it great to have that safe place where you can say, oh, man, today this week was a great week, or you can say, you know what, I struggled a little bit this week. We all need that. We all need that place that we can go. Like it says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him a threefold, three fold cord is not quickly broken I chose the interwoven strings for a reason on that graphic how much time have you spent praying over your resolution are you willing to make a resolution together and be resolute together and hold each other accountable encourage one another Because the truth is, we need to keep running to win the prize. My mind was drawn to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. To me, this is so powerful you look at it in the right context. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you imagine? I don't know what it looks like. But this idea of being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses those that have gone before us, those that are cheering us on now. You know, I just picture 
when we get that crown of that crown that lasts, there's going to be a bigger reception than we think. There's going to be a larger crowd cheering us on than we think. And I don't want to let those that have come before me down. I don't want to let the the spiritual mentors that have poured into my life down. I want to get there and I want William Sipes to be proud of what I accomplished after he went on to heaven. I want Rick DeBose that is still here. There's another major mentor in my life. I want him to be pleased with what is accomplished. But most importantly, I want Jesus to be pleased. I had something pop into my mind. I hadn't thought of it a long time ago. Years ago, Kim worked with special needs kids, and there was some periods of time that she got to, to work Special Olympics. And I was thinking about those that were competing. You know what many times the job was? To stand at the end of whatever it was they were competing in and being that loving, embracing arm, that voice of encouragement while they were competing. And you know what? Many of those kids, they weren't looking at the people that were competing next to them. They weren't looking at the lines on the track or whatever they're going on. They were looking at the one that was waiting for them, that they knew that loved them, that was ready to give them a warm embrace at the end. And that was the goal. We've got somebody that loves us so much that he bore the shame of all of our failures. And he's standing at the end with his arms open wide. And he's not saying, look at the person on your right and your left and how they're doing. He's saying, run the race that's marked out for you. I'm waiting for you. My embrace is at the end of this. My reward is here. And we're not competing against other people. He says to cast off the things that so easily entangle us. Then he says, and the sins. He's not talking about the things that entangle us just being sins. I know that there's things in this life that aren't in themselves necessarily sins, but can be things that entangle us and things that hold us back from the goals that, that we should be focused on. The little things that hold us back. And who knows? 2020 may be our last lap. You thought about that? I know, I remember as a kid growing up, you know, Jesus is coming soon, and and it seemed like it was a yearly thing, but if you look at the signs of the times, I'm thinking, if nothing else, it's closer than it's ever been before. So this could be our last lap. So I don't know about you, I want to run towards this one that's going to embrace me. I want to run towards the one that's going to say, you know what? Here's your crown that will last. Revelation 3.11. And with this, Jesus said, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. I want that crown. 
but I don't want to, when I get there, I want to look around and I want to see all these familiar faces. I don't know if we'll all cross the finish line at the same time. I don't know if the rapture is going to take place and we all go together or if we kind of trickle in through the things of this life. I don't know how it's going to happen. All I know is that it would, it would give me such joy to hear, not only hear the words of myself, well done, good and faithful servant, but as each one of you cross that last finish line to get that embrace and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And we can do it if we will do it together. So I guess my question is this. How many of you are ready to make a real resolution? Where your spiritual walk bumps up above your weight loss goal? 